Turn with me please to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Now for those of you that haven't been with us all this week has been our marriage meeting. And we've had uh, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday now and different things going on each night and I believe the Lord has spoken to us and ministered to us and this is a continuation of that. But it certainly is not limited to marriage, this word that we'll be getting in tonight. It applies to everybody. It is life changing. No question about it. Life changing if you'll receive it and do it. Are you ready? What we're going to get in tonight will fix marriages. No maybe about it. All kind of problems. I'm not saying it'll do everything, but there are many, many difficulties and issues in marriage that this word acted upon tonight would solve. Because it's the word of God. And when you do it, what he said will happen when you do it will happen. Right? In uh, Galatians, the sixth chapter, and the first verse, he said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, keep reading, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Well, just read it. Bear ye one another's burden. You'll fulfill the law of Christ if you bear another's burden. I'm understanding that bearing another person's burden is not the same as you trying to get them to bear your burden. Now, I'm going to go over some things real slow tonight to make sure we get it. The law of Christ, fulfilling the law of Christ, is not trying to make other people bear your burden. It's you bearing their burden. And this is what spiritual, Christ-like people do. Back up to verse 1. If a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are what? Spiritual. Now this, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said to them, he said, uh, you're carnal because there is envying and strife among you. There's no such thing as being developed spiritually apart from being developed in love. Because God is love. How could you be developed in God and not be developed in love when God is love? And Proof positive that folks are carnal is strife. And proof positive that people are spiritual is this. Bearing other people's burdens and restoring in a spirit of meekness. Everybody say meekness. Meekness. Now that's the opposite of haughtiness or judgmentalness. Meekness Now these two words, considering yourself. 
Everybody say that out loud. Considering yourself. What could you do instead of consider yourself? You could consider them. That would be carnal. If you're talking about fault finding. The spiritual person. When looking for faults. They don't look at the other person. They look at themselves. The carnal person doesn't look at themselves. They look at the other person. Which one you want to be? Spiritual or carnal? Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Do not think you are above temptation. Anything that anyone has ever done sin-wise, it's possible you could do it. People say, oh no, oh no, I could never. You never have to, but certainly you could. Oh yeah, nobody's above being tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. He never yielded to it. But to get on your high horse and say, oh, I'd never. You're saying, I could never. I'm of such superior character. I would never and could never. That's being deceived. If you know the truth, you know that except for the grace of God, it could be you. Spiritual people know this. And so they want to restore, not accuse, in a spirit of meekness. And they're considering themselves lest they be tempted because they know they could be. I'm telling you, you can't trust your flesh any further than you can throw it. Your flesh, I'm not talking about somebody else's, your flesh will do anything you let it do. It'll be a liar, it'll be an adulterer, it'll be a thief, it'll be a murderer. This is not my, yeah. You could be. Now you don't think so because if you're walking with the Lord and you're doing good, that is far from you. But if you start yielding, enough is never enough. I mean, you're doing this today and you're doing that today, and next week it needs to be more. And you do it for a couple of years, and now that's not enough. You've got to do some, I mean, you're playing with these drugs, and now you've got to do some hard drugs. And, and you're doing this sin, now you've got to do some perverted something. It, it's always more, and over a period of time, you can wind up in a place you never imagined. You would wind up doing things you never believed you would do. That's the truth. You never have to. I said you never have to. But to be haughty and say, oh, I, I, I could never do what they've done. That's not true. And spiritual people know that. Do I have any spiritual people in here? Let me see you. Do you know that except for the grace of God... You could be in the lowest gutter of sin and degradation that anybody in the world is in. You could be there. These things don't happen overnight. But over a period of years and decades, you can 
awful things can happen. But spiritual people know this and they consider themselves. Everybody say, consider yourself. Go to Genesis, please. Third chapter. We have a record in history when this changed. What changed? From considering yourself to something else. You know where I'm going? God had told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They're out there listening to the serpent. Eve took it, ate it, gave it to Adam. He ate it. They sinned. Their eyes were opened. They knew things that they didn't need to know. And man had fallen. And God said to Adam, did you eat of the fruit? I commanded you not to. Anybody remember his answer? Huh? Verse 12. Verse 12. This is the new living. uh, Look at the new living translation. Now who's he talking to? God's talking to Adam. He asked him a very simple question. Did you eat of the fruit I commanded you not to? Did you do it? What did he say? (laughs) The woman... That you gave me. It is funny, but oh man. It is the beginning of awful problems that continue to this day. You'll notice this. Pride won't answer a straight question. Did you eat the fruit of the tree? What's the answer? Yes. Yes. Did he say yes? No. No. What did he say? <laughs> it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. You probably said that last part real fast. <laughs> it was the woman you gave me. She gave it to me and I ate it. <laughs> but it was the woman you gave me. <laughs> Who's he considering? Not himself. He's considering his wife. He's considering God. When I say considering, he's blaming. He's blaming her. He's blaming God. Blaming God. Even though he didn't say it, the implication is, if you'd never given her to me, this would have never happened. That's the implication. She hadn't been here. (laughs) Verse 13. Still the living. Then the Lord asked the woman. What have you done? What would she say? (laughs) The serpent. The serpent. Deceived me. And that's why I ate it. It was the serpent. It was her. It was you. It was him. Anybody but. (laughs) This is some of the first indications that man has fallen. I assure you, this never happened 
in the garden before now. This indicates fallen man, fear and pride and refusing to take responsibility and blame shifting. Not considering yourself, pointing the finger. It's them. And this is one of the devil's chief occupations. He is, this is one of his titles. The accuser of the brethren. This is something he does continuously. And if you're foolish, you will yield to it and voice it. He will bring accusations to you against other people. Including your your spouse, including your loved ones, including your leaders. He will bring accusations. And if you're carnal, you won't consider yourself. You'll just blame them. It's prevalent. It's all over the place. What's wrong with this country? (laughs) It's those Republicans. They're the ones got this thing in a mess. It's those Democrats. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) This is a huge, huge problem. Many of the criminal offenders... Not all of them, but but many that are incarcerated. Doing their time. You know what they spend a lot of their time doing? They're mad. They're upset. They're mad at their parents for not giving them a good life or for their daddy for leaving them. They're mad because nobody was there to help them. They're mad because their fellow criminals helped botch the job and got them caught. They're mad because the officers caught them. They're mad at the jury for finding them guilty. They're mad at the judge for sentencing them. But notice what they're not doing. Considering who? Themselves. And this is a huge problem with God. You're not going to get anywhere with him blaming somebody else. As soon as Adam and Eve told God that, He pronounced the sentence on each one. I mean, he didn't wrestle with them about who's to blame. Don't you know he already knows? Can't con him. Can't shift and point a finger. Spiritual people do what? They consider themselves. What do carnal people do? They blame others. Which one are you? See, it's just too easy and convenient to blame somebody else. It's a whole lot easier than the other thing. Why? What's going on with this? Well, homework is due. Eighth grade. Big deal. Half your grade. And uh, you messed around, played video games, and you did this, and you did that, and you just ain't got it. And it ain't together, or it was... Such junk you couldn't turn it in. and So what happened? What happened? What happened? You don't have it? What happened? The dog. The dog. (laughs) That mutt (laughs) ate my homework. (laughs) And I'm so upset about it. See, instantly, if you can sell that, what happens? 
you're off the hook. You're not responsible. You're not in trouble. Nobody's mad at you. In fact, you're the victim here. To be pitied because your perfect, amazing homework that you were ready to turn in. That mangy mutt. Fido. Got your homework. It's just too convenient. It's just too easy to go. He did. It was her. It was him. But this won't get you anywhere with God. Do you believe that? It won't. Go with me over to the book of Matthew, please. Actually, don't go there. Go to John, the 11th chapter. Let's do it this way. John chapter 11. John 11 is the story of uh, Lazarus had been sick and they sent word to Jesus that he whom you love is sick. And and they're urging him, please come, please come. I reckon everybody thought he would jump up and go, but he didn't. I think his own disciples that were with him thought he'd jump up and go, and and he didn't. He didn't go that day, and he didn't go the next day. And when he finally did go, Lazarus is dead. Then they buried him. Right? And when he gets there, and verse 21, he's Martha He saw her, and the first thing she says is what? What'd she say? Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Who's she talking to? Jesus, the head of the church. Is she accusing him? She is. Of what? Of not caring enough? Of not being led? (laughs) Of being late? No, no, that sounds hard for us to to grasp. But what's she doing? See, they didn't see him at that point, especially as the son of God. They saw him as a man, as a prophet. In fact, in this very situation is where these women begin to get a revelation of him being the Christ, the Messiah. But uh, do you think a lot of people get it wrong, getting mad and upset at somebody when they're hurting, when they got a problem in their life? Again and again and again. There are so many Christians, church-going people. They hide it pretty good. But they are blaming God for stuff. They're miffed at Him. They're blaming family. They're blaming people at work. They're blaming this one and that one and don't realize that they are judging. And judging is serious business. What happens when you judge? You get judged. It's being carnal. You don't get help. You don't get free. Everybody say, consider yourself. Did it never occur to her Maybe she could have done something different. Do you see how deceptive this is? Why has it got to be all Jesus' fault? 
You can tell what's going on through that whole household. Verse 32. He saw the other sister. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. An act of respect. But what comes out of her mouth? Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So now it's Jesus' fault that their brother is dead. Because he could have done something about it, they think. And he didn't. This has happened over and over and over. People are hurting. Something is wrong. Things are not going the way they want it to go. And the accuser of the brethren comes and feeds thoughts and feelings and says it's their fault. And so instead of considering yourself, you immediately start feeling hard at them because what they didn't do or what they did do, what you thought they would do, they could have done, should have done, ought have done, said they'd do. If Jesus could be accused of this, anybody can be accused of this. Right? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Skip on down to the 40th verse. Jesus said to her, he told her to take the stone away. She's reluctant to do that. They're just not hooked with him. Can you see this? Why? Now, I know it sounds warped, but their biggest problem right now is with Jesus, they think. They're upset with him. He's their answer. And they're blaming him for their problem. Jesus is their answer. They ought to be shouting hallelujah that he come to see them today. Right? Whether they know what he's going to do or not, they know when he's around, good things happen. But they're not. They, I mean, they're hurting. They're grieving. And they're blaming him. Because they sent word to him. They gave him plenty of time to get there. They let him know how serious it was and they, they begged him to come. And he didn't come. And they thought he cared about him. I mean, after all the things they've done for him, all the meals they've cooked for him, and all the stuff they've done, and when they really need him, he can't bother to come. Jesus said, didn't I say to you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God? I want you to know something very significant here. When they're saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Are they believing? No. What are they doing? Blaming. When you're blaming, are you believing? Oh, friends, do you see the subtle trick of the devil? When you're blaming, are you believing? When they were blaming him, were they believing? They weren't believing. They're bitter. They're hurting. They're grieving. They're upset. They're put out with him. He said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, that tells you volumes right there, right? If you would believe, what happened? You're going to see something. 
But you got to quit this blaming. You got to quit this grieving. You got to quit this finger pointing. Friends, if you're blaming, you're not believing. And if you're not believing, is it going to get any better? Are you going to get your answer? You going to get your help? Is it okay to blame your boss for everything that's wrong? So it's okay to blame the company. Okay to blame the government for everything that's wrong. Or the Democrats. Or the Republicans. We need to quit this, saints. We need to quit this now. If you're blaming, you're not believing. And you're not part of the solution. Fixing the blame has nothing to do with fixing the problem. Which do you want? The blame firmly fixed or the problem fixed? Somebody say glory to God. We quit blaming. We start believing. Should husbands blame their wives for all their problems? Should wives blame their husbands for all their problems? Has this happened a lot? Has this happened a lot? Do you reckon some folks have been as wrong in doing it as Martha and Mary were wrong in blaming Jesus for their problems? The devil's subtle. He's tricky. And he is the accuser of the brethren. This is how people commit murder. Is the enemy keeps feeding them. They ruined your life. If it hadn't been for them, this would have happened for you. And if it hadn't been for them, you'd have got this. And if that would happen, who knows what kind of great life you'd have had. And every miserable thing you're going through, the devil keeps pumping you. It's their fault. It is their fault. You keep meditating that night and day, you'll get murder in your heart. And it's lies. It's lies. What do spiritual people do? Help me out. What do spiritual people do? Spiritual people show some humility. Spiritual people show some honesty. I'm sure Martha and Mary were good women, but they really messing up on this. How come you just skip everything and jump to the conclusion that Jesus let you down? Why couldn't you consider yourself and say, hey, should we have got Lazarus over to Jesus? Should we have done something different? Did we miss it somewhere? Oh, friends, are y'all listening to me or not? When something comes up and you're tempted to blame somebody, all you got to do is stop that and go, wait a minute, wait a minute now. What could I have done differently? If you make the choice to consider yourself in this situation instead of somebody else, you have made the act of a spiritual man instead of a carnal individual. And in the same motion, you have shut the door to the devil feeding you these lies and accusations and you've humbled yourself before the Lord. And guess what the humble get? They get the grace of God. That is more than enough to get you through anything. 
But if you're blaming somebody else and you're judging them, that's pride and you're not going to get grace to get out of this situation. What you're going to get is judged. Trick of the devil, isn't it? Subtle. But I'm telling you, friend, we've got to stop it. We've got to stop blaming other people for our problems. God holds us much more responsible for what's happening in our life than many people imagine. You train yourself in it. Everybody say, consider yourself. This is part of renewing your mind. Because see, the world doesn't think this way and doesn't operate this way. I mean, they're looking for a scapegoat. They're looking for somebody to pin it on. If it'll save my hide, yeah, buddy. <laughs> he done it. <laughs> it was all her idea. <laughs> I didn't want to. She made me. <laughs> it was that woman. You gave me. It was that snake. It was that man. He just wouldn't, he wouldn't leave me alone. These are all ways of dishonestly ignoring your part in it. What's my part? What's your part? As a leader, the Lord helped me to see this. He brought to mind David and how that David was just and he was fair as a leader. There's a lot of good detail to study on that if you're interested in he that rules over men must be just, the scripture says. And I begin to see that a lot of leaders are making mistakes because something goes wrong. They just immediately get mad and come down on somebody. Parents do the same thing. Something didn't happen that was supposed to happen that they told people to do and this and that or they want it done and they come in and it didn't happen and there's a problem, something wrong has occurred. People get mad and they immediately start coming down on somebody. A lot of times the closest person to them. This is just like center people act. This is carnal. If you're going to be spiritual, what's the first thing you're going to do when something goes wrong? Help me out. What is the first thing you're going to do? How, what would that look like? What would that sound like? I get to do it on a regular basis. <laughs> and the Lord helps me. And I'm, I'm clinging to it. I know this has saved me all kind of problems before. You want to look stupid. You want to lose respect. Just come down on somebody and blame them and come down on them like a ton of bricks and then find out later they had nothing to do with it. That's being a fool. What's the first thing to do? What does that mean? First thing I do is I ask myself, did I communicate to them properly? Was I clear? I can't expect them to read my mind. Are y'all with me, friends? Well, it didn't happen, and I'm told them, well, get a hold of yourself. Is it your fault? 
Well, I told what did you tell them? What'd you tell them? If you can't even remember it, it must not have been all that clear. You see what I, what I was talking about in the beginning of the service? Do you believe if we would practice this, it would change your life? It would change your life. What if you got a husband and a wife? Something comes up, rubs both of them the wrong way. There's a real opportunity to get in strife here, real opportunity to have some serious problems. But immediately, the man doesn't look at her, he looks at himself and goes, What did I do? Could I have done something to keep this from happening? Could I have handled this differently? And immediately the wife doesn't look at him, but goes inside and goes, what did I do? Could I have avoided this? When they both look inside, who's in there? (laughs) Who's in there? The spirit of peace. The Holy Spirit. You think if you're sincere and honest and humble and you look inside and say, Lord, could I have kept this from happening? Should I have done something different? You think he's not going to answer you and help you? But see, when you won't even consider that you might have messed up somewhere and you immediately start judging the other person and accusing and condemning, you have cut yourself off from the grace of God and you're about to get judged. Can you see this, friends? You can train yourself. Now, I'm not talking about that you're just ready to accept condemnation for something you don't even know. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about being willing to look and being open to see if you did something wrong or didn't do something you should have done. The Lord taught me about this some years ago in a ministry situation. Did you know God hates strife? Oh man, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Scripture says where there's envying and strife, there's every evil work. We're in a meeting. I was in a meeting with Brother Hagin. He called me up on the platform and I did some things and said some things. And after the service, not long after that, I got a letter from some ministers of a larger ministry And they're real unhappy with me. And they gave me the what for. (laughs) Straightened me out. About what I said and what I did. And uh, it rubbed me the wrong way. My first thought was, hey, wasn't your meeting. I don't work for you. (laughs) And if Brother Hagin was okay with it, who are you? Come and straighten out somebody else's servant. Then the scripture said, who are you that judges another man's servant? So I was, I wasn't too happy about it myself. I thought, well, boy, that's brass. That's presumptuous. And um, I was going to go talk to him about it. And the Lord checked me. He said, don't you do it. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me. So I stopped and I just sat down and waited a while. And got to praying about it. The Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I want you 
to write a nice letter and apologize. I thought, what? What? <laughs> apologize? What for? Did I miss you, Lord? Did I, did I not do what you directed me to do? I thought I was doing what you directed me to do. Was that it? Lord spoke to my heart, no. Well, what would I be apologizing for then? And then he spoke to my heart. He said, do you not imagine that there is anything you could apologize for? Do you suppose it possible you could have said and done what you did with greater wisdom? It could have been worded better. It could have been said in more love and grace. I said, well, yeah, I probably could have. You don't suppose there's anything you could apologize for? I said, well, yes, sir, I'm sure. Not that I want to. <laughs> I wonder you might as well be honest with him. He knows. He, you can't con him. And then he said this to me, and I mean, it just melted my heart. He said, uh, and again, I'm not hearing a voice, but inside me, like you'll speak to any Christian if you'll get quiet. And pay attention. It just coming up out of my spirit. And illuminating my mind. He said if you make a deal out of this. People will side with you. And some people will side with them. And this thing could get ugly. It could go on for a long time. And cause hard feelings. He said would you do it for me. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Anybody know what I mean by that? Would I do it for him after what he's done for me? Would I write a little letter? Well, I guess I would, yeah. <laughs> so I said, Lord, help me to, to say it right. I am sure I could have said, I'm, I was, you know, a lot younger than I am now and a lot dumber than I am now. And, and I'm sure youth are particularly prideful. And a lot of times they, they push too hard and they're too loud and they... They use absolutes when they should back off. And, and they shouldn't say this is the, they should say this is one thing I've learned, or I think I know. There should be some humility, there should be some honesty, and uh, acknowledging that you could miss it. And, and so I did, and the Lord helped me, and they wrote back a kind letter and invited me to speak in their meetings which later I did, and we had some great times, and isn't that better than hard feelings and words and whispers and junk? What was the key? Consider yourselves. Come on, somebody say, consider yourself. Consider yourself. What should be your first response? Not your second. Look right here. Could I have done something different. The Bible says, as much as lies with you, live peaceably with all men. What does that mean? As much as you can do anything about, anything, so you need to ask, what's my part in this? Sometimes it's not what you did, it's what you didn't do. Something goes wrong, something's not right. Why immediately immediately blame God and blame everybody else. Isn't that ignorant? 
Maybe you could have got up when the Lord prompted you to and prayed. Maybe you could have skipped a meal. Got a little more sensitive. Maybe you could have heard from God. Maybe he's trying to tell you for four days and you just didn't pay it. How come it's got to be God's fault and everybody else's fault? Go to Matthew, please. What's the key here, friends? Anybody know? Consider yourself. Consider yourself. Oh, thanks be to God. I'm excited about this. I believe great things are happening. I believe the Lord will bring this to our remembrance. And I believe numerous fights and problems will just be cut off before they ever get started. We will not fall prey to his devices. We, instead of yielding to his accusations and judging and condemning and all all that other stuff, we won't do it. We'll just go right here. They did do something. Well, maybe they did. That's between them and the Lord. You're not responsible for everything they do. You're responsible for what you do or didn't do. Matthew 7 and verse 1. What does it say? Judge not that you be not judged. Look at the complete Jewish Bible on that. If you got that back there, it's the CJB. Don't judge, it says, so that you won't be judged. How many prefer not being judged to being judged? Now, I think sometimes folks don't really believe these verses. Did you know the Bible says if you don't forgive your brother, God won't forgive you? Is that a scripture? That's serious. And if you judge, what does the Bible say will happen? Jesus, the head of the church. You will be judged. Now, do you want to be judged? No, you do not. What does it mean when you're judged? It means you don't get mercy. You don't get grace. You don't get delivered. You get punishment. You get the problem. You get to stay in the problem. If you want to come out of the problem, if you want victory, you need grace. Don't you? Who gets the grace? The humble and the ones that don't judge. The ones who sow mercy. Hold your place here and go to James. Hold your place in Matthew. We're not through with that. James 2, I believe it is. And uh, is it 18? I'm looking for it. James 2.13 is what it is. James 2.13. Thank you, Lord. It says, he shall have judgment without mercy that did what? That showed no mercy. If you don't show mercy... You won't get mercy. If you judge, you'll be judged. Whatever you do, that's what you're going to get. So if we were spiritual and had some wisdom about us, when there's an opportunity, even if somebody really has done us wrong, we would realize, okay, I can sow me some mercy right now that I can pick up on later. (laughs) Right? Because there could come a time before the end of the week that I need some help and I need some grace and mercy and I'll just sow some mercy right now and I'll have me a mercy harvest waiting on me if and when I need it. (laughs) 
But if you judge them and you blame them and you go, you dirty dog, if it hadn't been for you, I'd be happy and having a good life. (laughs) Dirty dog rascal. (laughs) Did you give them any mercy? You blamed them completely. You judged them. What's going to happen when you need help? Just what you're going to get. Somebody's going to look at you and point a finger at you and go, you are the problem and you're fired. But I need my job. You're gone. You are the problem and we're not going to help you. Judgment's hard. What do you want? Me too. (laughs) Anybody here want mercy besides me? Come on. Uh, Let the Lord see your hand. Say, Lord, what I want... It's mercy. You know what mercy means? Mercy means you don't get the judgment you deserve. And mercy means you do get the blessing you didn't deserve. Mercy is just the best deal there's ever been. (laughs) Isn't it? But you're not going to get it if you judge. I think sometimes people are leaving this out. And there are numerous scriptures that talk about this. People are like, well, I'll just have, I'll have full of grace and mercy, no matter how many people I judge, no, you won't. Jesus said, if you judge, this is going to happen. You're going to be judged. But keep reading. This is exciting right here. 2.13. You'll have judgment without mercy if you've shown no mercy. But what if you have? If you have shown mercy, mercy rejoices against judgment. You should have been fired, but they didn't fire you. You should have lost all your benefits, but three months later you had a raise. (laughs) They should have left you and put you in the street. But you never had to move out. Things are better than they ever were. What is that? What is that? Mercy and mercy rejoices against judgment. Somebody said out loud, mercy rejoices against judgment. Who gets the mercy? Those who don't judge, those who sow mercy. Situations going on, maybe it's obvious. That they've done a lot of stuff they shouldn't do. Maybe it's obvious that a lot of the problem they caused it, it it seems obvious. Yeah, but you're not to judge. That's not my department. What do you do? I pray for mercy for them, Lord, whatever it is. If they were the architect of it, still, I don't want to see them judged. Mercy on them, Lord. I pray for mercy on them. And right here, what can I, should I have done something different? Can I do something different to help and make this right? Go back to Matthew. Don't judge, verse 1, complete Jewish Bible. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. For the way you judge others is how you will be judged. The measure with which you measure out will be used to measure to you. What the problem is, is is Christians are not calling what they're doing judging. All Christians know it's wrong to judge. Be hard to find somebody that didn't know it's wrong to judge, and yet folks are doing it right and left. Blaming, accusing, it's judging. 
Are y'all with me, friends? Well, you did this, and if you hadn't done this, then, then, and then when you did that, and you're judging. You're judging. It's all your fault. It's all their fault. The way you judge others is how you'll be judged. The measure with which you measure out will be used to measure to you. Why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye, but not notice the log in your own eye? How could that happen? How could it happen? That you got a piece of sawdust. Another translation says a piece of sawdust. That you can, you can describe to the detail that sawdust in your brother's eye and you think about and you don't notice a log in your eye how can you not notice that there's a log in your eye because you never look that direction (laughs) if you ever looked that way you'd have to see it it's a log (laughs) how can you not see a log in your own eye Because you never look in your eye. You never look there. You only look. In fact, you got the gift of sawdust discernment. You can detect sawdust at 300 yards in your brother's eye or sister's eye. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm getting it now. Sawdust. And you got a beam. <laughs> There's a word for that. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. How can you say to your brother, let me get that splinter out of your eye. When you have the log in your own eye. You hypocrite. Told you there was a word for it. <laughs> First, take the log First, 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 what do you do first? Consider yourself. First thing you do is turn all those spiritual powers of discernment (laughs) on moi. And let's check both my eyes. And let's check my thoughts and my intent, what I did and what I didn't do. You have to train yourself to do this, friends. But you can. Just like people are in a habit, first thing off the bat, something's wrong, they start accusing others and judging others. Well, they train themselves to do that, or they were around people who did it, and they think that's normal. You can retrain yourself. You can renew your mind so that you don't do that first. The first thing you do is focus on yourself and consider yourself and start asking yourself questions. I'm so thankful for tonight. This has been precious to me for decades and the Lord has helped me so much in my personal life and ministry, but I've never been able to express this like this till tonight. It's utterance of the Lord. But I can't tell you the time. I'm not trying to tell you I've always done everything perfect and You know I've made mistakes like everybody else, but there have been so many times when something was critical, it was a problem, it was a mess, 
And maybe I'd get upset or I'd get this or that. And the Lord would check me and remind me, check here. And I would immediately quit looking at them and start looking here. And I'm telling you, when you do that, watch and see. When you do that, you'll start getting revelation, man. You'll start getting grace and wisdom and help because you're humbling yourself. And you're being honest. Man, truth will flow to you. Grace will flow to you. In, like I said, leaders, you need to know this. Do not be quick to judge a situation. Parents, with your kids, don't be quick. I don't care if you think you absolutely know what happened. Still, ask. I guarantee you, you'll learn something. Ask your child, ask your teenager what happened. And shut up and let them tell you. And while they're talking, what do you do? I don't care how bad they messed up. While they're talking, what do you do? You look right here and you go, did I not teach them right? Have I not set the right example in front of them? Was I not clear to them? Now, I don't mean that you just take all condemnation Maybe you have set a good example, but at least ask the question. I'm not saying you're to blame for all of this, but at least consider it, right? And ask yourself these questions that proud people don't ask themselves. I don't know at the times there have been when something really rubbed me the wrong way and maybe somebody helping me or working for me or something and... and, uh, before it was over with, I realized, well, it's your fault, boy. You should have done this when the Lord told you to. Something goes wrong. Uh, the Lord's helped me with this through the years. So I immediately start doing that. If something's not working right, you know, one of the first things I ask myself is, should I even be here? Well, people are not treating me right and they're not doing the fair deal. Should I even be here? Should I even be doing this? People want to blame everybody else. But when things are going wrong right and left. Did you miss it? To even go there today. Well I called them. Tried to talk to them. Pulled my heart out to them. They just treated me like dirt. Did it ever occur to you. Maybe you should not have called them. So then whose fault is it? Can you see this is spiritual thinking. The other's carnal thinking. This is something I've seen numerous times with ministers. Over the years, I don't know how many times, we've had people, and sometimes, bless their hearts, they get a little bit out of shape with us because they think we should be doing something in ministry. Or they think we should be doing something a certain way or a different way. And then if it doesn't happen, they can get annoyed and they get miffed. Some people even get, you know, they want to leave, they want to unhook. And a lot of times what they should ask themselves, should I be doing this? Oh, it's real convenient to go, I feel led that you should. (laughs) Oh, that's handy, isn't it? Requires how much of you? Brother Keith, I just really have this in my heart that in ministry you should be doing this and you should be doing this. Again and again I've seen God has been dealing with them to do something. 
in an area of their own. Step out by faith. But they don't want to do it because it's going to take faith. They're going to have to turn loose of security blankets. They're going to have to step out by faith and believe God for money and every other thing. And it's a whole lot easier to just decide, Brother Keith should do it. And I'm just going to pray it on him. <laughs> no, you ain't. <laughs> You're going to frustrate your little self, honey. Because unless and until I hear from the big boss, I don't do what I want to do. Why would I do what you want me to do? <laughs> again and again, I've seen people go, well, I, just, I just really feel like you know, the ministry should be doing this and the church should be doing this. And, and the Lord's dealing with them to step out and do something. And they're trying to put that off on you. Just considering yourself. What am I doing? See, it's hypocrisy when you're always thinking about what other people are doing and you're not asking yourself, what am I doing? I just think, you know, they got all that money and they got all this and they got all that. I think they ought to be doing this. What are you doing with yours? That's all that's in your business. I mean, it's mighty convenient and easy to have all these ideas about what they should do and what they should do. I really feel like they should do this and and it's obvious they should be do this. And I can't understand why they're not doing that. Look in James 4. I'm thinking about closing. James 4 and 10. What does it say? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Will any good come out of that? I don't care how low you are. Oh, somebody say glory to God. I don't care how low you are, what will happen? He shall lift you up. He will lift you up out of pain and disease. He will lift you up out of depression and anguish and torment. He will lift you up out of poverty and debt. He will lift you up when you humble yourself. Keep going. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. And if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Said out loud, if you're a judge, you're not a doer. Said again, if you're a judge, you're not a doer. So then that means you're a hypocrite. Because you're saying somebody should be doing something or shouldn't be doing something. You're not doing it yourself. That's hypocrisy. Here's a sobering truth that a lot of folks have never acknowledged. Jesus said, out of your mouth, I will judge you by what you say. And it's specifically tied to this. I've, I've tried to preach. You know, people that criticize and fault find with us about prosperity and other things. I feel for them. They don't know what they're doing to themselves. Well, bless God, you know, they shouldn't do this with that money. They shouldn't do that. I'd do this. And I, I mean, I wouldn't have a nice car. And I'd, I'd do this. And, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't spend all that money on a house. Or I'd do this. Here's the truth. I will never be judged by what they say. 
but they will. What do you mean? They're saying, I believe this is right, and a person should do this with their money, and a person should give this percentage, and a person, and I believe this, and the Lord is going to hold it back up to them. And they will be judged by whether they did or didn't do what they said others should do. You're not going to be judged by what other people say you should do. But they will be. Here's the key word for tonight. Mercy. Huh? Mercy. Mercy. And there's a whole lot of things, my brother, sister, you just know not to have any kind of opinion about. It is none of your business. I travel, I see a lot of ministers, I'm around a lot of folks, and too many times people want to say, Brother Keith, did you hear about so-and-so? And what do you think about them? I think I love them, and I want to see them do good. Yeah, but what do you think about I don't. Surely you have an opinion. I'm not going to allow myself to have one. They are not my servant. And I'm not going to judge them in the time to come. And I'd be a fool for judging them now. They don't stand before me. Right? I don't care what, how evil of a thing they did. I'm not the judge. And the ju- the James says the judge is standing at the door. Who are you? The judge is another man's servant. So a whole lot of things you're just supposed to smile and go, I love them and let's pray for them. I don't see them do good. Right. Yeah, but you hear all the terrible stuff they did. They did that and they did that. And they had four affairs and they stole the church's money. and they did Well, first of all, is any of it true? You don't know. Secondly, aren't you glad you're not the judge? I'm not, I don't have to have an opinion on it. It's freedom. It's liberating, man. What do you think? I don't. I refuse to. I could, but I'm learning how not to. It's none of my business. I don't care how bad they are. I want to see them restored. And considering myself, except for the grace of God, I could be in the same mess. Oh, you'd never. Any of us could be. If you yield long enough, you could get there. No. If we're wise and we're spiritual, what do we know? Here is an opportunity to set myself up. (laughs) If and when I need some mercy and grace, I will have it. Instead of getting judged, mercy will rejoice when it would have been judgment. And if it ever came around to it, people would say, did you hear about what happened to Brother Keith? Ah. Boy, it looked like he was a goner. But <laughs> some way or another. <laughs> and he's already back on top. <laughs> Come on, is that what you want to be? Your testimony and your life, you won't get it. If you blame others and you judge others, you won't get it. But if you sow mercy and if you're quick to humble yourself and Consider yourself. His grace is sufficient. And we will make it through whatever's going right now. And we'll make it through tomorrow. And next week. 
and we will run our race and we will finish our course. And how many think we'll all gather around the throne and we will sing it was the grace of God. It was the mercy that brought us through, but we're there. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.